0: Welcome to the Business Herald podcast. The Business Herald is a weekly roundup of all of the top UK business news stories by email, social media, and this podcast. The podcast will feature some of the week's main stories, and we'll be joined by various business people each episode to discuss the news and how it might impact a smaller business like yours. And hopefully, we'll have some fun on a Friday too. I'm your host, Stephen Mather. I'm a lawyer for SMEs, and I help business owners sleep better at night by sorting out their legal. Thanks for listening to this intro and stay tuned for the next episode of The Business Herald. So welcome along to this week's episode of The Business Herald podcast. I'm joined by Jamie Cochran of PBC uh, Restriction and Insolvency and Mark Ford. Jamie, do you want to introduce yourself today?
1: Hi, thanks, Stephen. Uh, Thanks for having me back. Uh, hi, Hi, everyone. Uh, Jamie from PBC Business Recovery and Insolvency, we provide financial advice and solutions to both businesses and individuals that are struggling financially and help them weave their way through the the maze um, that's out there and uh, hopefully um, relieve, relieve a lot of stress for them as well. Excellent,
0: thank you very much and Mark do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. I'm Mark
2: Ford, uh, business coach, author and editor at Your Best Kept Business Secret Small Business Magazine, helping small business owners like you get the business that your hard work truly deserves. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks very much. Thanks for coming along. Mark, I'm going to start with you. We've got some uh, some kind of breaking news this morning of ASDA finally being sold. It was hinted at the papers during the week. Do you want to give us a
1: little bit more information on that?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, we've got... It's the first time
2: in decades that um, that Asda is now back in majority UK ownership, uh, having been uh, owned by Walmart, which is it's, uh, where it all started, I guess. Um, yeah, the billionaire ISA brothers uh, have fronted up a deal at £6.8 billion, which is huge. Um, and hopefully, I would suggest that it may... <laughs> I think we'll be looking forward to it turning its fortunes around. I would say that over the last 10 years, especially that Asda has uh, fallen into the trap of people not quite knowing what it's all about. It's obviously uh, been uh, roughshod, if I could say that word, roughshod through the trials and tribulations of Aldi and Lidl um, gaining market market ground and it's been squeezed at the top end as well from Marks and Spencers and Waitrose and to a certain degree Sainsbury's. So it's one of the middle middle end, middle end, that's not even a phrase, Uh, middle portion of the supermarkets uh, which has been doing battle as the Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Tesco's uh, it 's been uh, quite a, a ten years for them, but hopefully that um, they 'll start turning their fortunes around because they 're in desperate need of some injection of some some new life, some new ideas and well hopefully this is, this can only be good for buyers
0: yeah absolutely the The brothers um, that are fronting the group uh, fronting the buyout um, originally background was originally petrol stations um, the e g group the kind of cons- um, convenience stores within petrol stations is what they 've made there a big name out of um and, and perhaps that's that's is that the future of you know retail it's either um it, it was when walmart came in it was always about having you know the big hypermarkets almost and they started that um uh, kind of trend almost but didn't quite get to the levels that we see over in europe um is that now changed around and is, is convenience the way forward is that what's this buyout's about and getting people actually shopping locally in the express type stores. It
2: I, it does seem like that. It, it's 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 been it's, it's been a little bit odd in the fact that Asda was a trailblazer in its time, in the fact that you could go and buy clothes, you could go and buy general merchandise, a TV, a video recorder, videos, DVDs, books, and things like that. So it was actually a trailblazer of its time. I suppose in a very odd way, it was almost like the Amazon of its time, because over here in the UK, we we, we didn't do that. Whereas Walmart over in America obviously did it incredibly well. The issue that I believe that Asda really found is that others suddenly saw that same idea and caught up where they've lost out recently is that you've got Tesco's and you've had Sainsbury's successfully move into the smaller stores. So you're absolutely right. Like the express stores, uh, Morrisons have tried it not as successfully. Um, so I know that ASDA, certainly with the link that they've got of their forecourts and the petrol stations will be looking in moving into that direction. Um, but again, it's, um, it is an interesting time because I think Asda has lacked its identity since those trailblazing days. You know, it came up with the George brand, which was hugely successful for it. Um, and obviously the general merchandise yeah, if you wanted to go and buy the latest DVD or the book or wherever, that's where you went to. And it made, it made a substantial amount of profit out of, out of those areas. Um, but it, given time, it's almost like there's a great phrase that if you stand still long enough, you'll get run over. And to be perfectly honest, I would suggest that in, certainly in the last five to ten years, that Asda have been stood still and not really trailblazing. They always seem to be almost the second or third to the party. So I think that some of the moves that they may make at the moment will only put them on par with some of their competition, because I think they're ahead. So Sainsbury's and, and Tesco's definitely very much ahead. Um, and I think that now is as good a time as any for them to actually... Refind an identity, find, find their difference, find, give people a reason to go to Asda as opposed to any of the other competition because when it comes down to price, they're all pretty much the same, customer service, pretty much the same. It's down to identity and it's down to what that, that brand now will, will start to mean to people.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting um, looking at that news report it says that Walmart bought Asda in 1999 for 6.7 billion, and now their the sale values it at 6.8 billion. And yeah. so, so, so in that 20 year period, actually, it, th- those figures suggest that it's just stayed stagnant.
2: Very, 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 very much so. And th- the, you know, this is this is not a slight at them. Um, I, you know, I at some point work for them, but I would suggest walking into some of the stores, they look tired they look, they look worn out. Um, and you've got, you've got people like Morrisons that have heavily invested in the way their stores work. And I know they're heavily investing in how they can serve their customers better going forward with the different changes of lifestyle. Um, like I said, if you stand still long enough, you just get run over. And like I said, in the, in its heyday, it was known for, you know, being a real trailblazer and it just kind of just tailed off and, didn't really mean anything whereas if you sort of like look at Marks and Spencers you look at Waitrose look at Aldi and you look at Lidl you can actually say they've got proper brand identities and actually people really know what they're about and why they go shopping there you know if you if you've got equidistant from Asda to Sainsbury's or Asda to Tesco I'm not entirely sure you know there's much of a difference between any of them so yeah, it's in twenty years to be, to be valued at the same amount of money that it was bought for. In twenty years, I would actually say that actually they're valuing it at less.
0: It's it's, it's gone down originally gone, purchased gone down for. Price.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
0: And it, and it comes in a week actually where um, the, one of the news stories was that Accardo has overtaken Tesco in terms of its stock market uh, value capitalisation. Um, Accardo being valued at twenty one point seven billion against Tesco's $21.1 billion. Now, of course, that just depends on the day's price, the share price, mm-hmm. um, that it, uh, that, you know, on the day of that report. But it shows us that, um, not just in supermarkets, Jamie, but everywhere, things are moving online. And, and Asda really haven't had that um, you know, online presence at all, and they've got all the other issues that Mark's talked about. Is online? Is it, do you see online as the future of retail?
1: I think it. I think it has to be, doesn't it? I think if we're looking at all the stories that we've we've talked about on on various previous weeks on the podcast, online it, it is the way to go. And um, I know there's, a, there's an, another story that you mentioned that, that's in the podcast this week is about it's about the card factory, isn't it? Mm. Um, and you know, if I'm thinking, oh, I need a card, I think I think Moonpig comes to mind straight away. I mean, they've also got the added advantage that if you forget. And you suddenly remember three pm the day before. You can probably get a car to someone for the following morning, and you and, and it's okay. Whereas um, yeah. going into a smaller, we can order car.
0: it late and then blame the post, which uh, which is a good tactic to do as well.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, and actually, just just touching back on what on what Mark was talking about in Asda, and I was thinking of listening to what he was saying, and um, for me, I, I I remember the Asda advert from what ten years ago with that woman, you know, the, the mum tapping the back pocket with the change in. Um, and I can't think of a new Asda ad in the last ten years. So I think that's probably, you know, if, and if we're a lesson for our SME listeners, is is actually, you know, define your brand and uh, and stick to it, and actually maybe potentially change with the times. Don't, don't, as Mark says, don't stand still, and don't think that a brand that worked in 2010 is going to still be relevant in 2020. Well, um, oh,
2: it, it, it's strange you mentioned that, actually, because they were, they were actually posting uh, some uh, YouTube videos and some, uh, I think, newspaper ads as well. They're actually bringing that back. The Asda are actually bringing the back pocket tap back. And oddly, for some, for some businesses, it does work. So uh, we use another, another uh, food outlet, uh, Marks & Spencer's. If you go back about five, six years, this was no... This isn't just a normal Christmas pudding. Mm. This... Is a Marks and Spencer's Christmas pudding. And it was almost like selling food like sex. And they so like they 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 used it really well for two years. And then someone somewhere just went, Yeah, do you know what? We're done with that. And then they had a couple of rough years over Christmas, especially on food sales. And last year they bought it back again. And lo and behold, guess what happened? Guess what? The, the sales went up again. It was it was it's, it's it's very very weird. But again, it 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 goes down to lacking an identity where there's there's that that, that element
1: that that really draws people in. You know. Yeah, I thought I saw in the last couple of weeks. I think Halifax have I found Howard again in the, from from a back cupboard. Or I saw that. <laughs> I saw him referenced in the news. It might have been on a panel show or even something. But Howard from Halifax was back. It was. Uh, He's in a cupboard with all those paying in slips. You're not allowed to use anymore, so that's fine, isn't
0: it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Um, linked to uh, linked to that and the and the the venture of businesses online. Um, High Street uh, High Street is suffering you know, massively at the moment, and commercial rents are, are really struggling as well. Um, the, the, the news story at the start of this week said that um, unpaid commercial rents uh, that across all sectors stands at $4.5 billion at the moment. Um, of course, you can't evict any tenants that aren't paying either. Um, stores closing all over the place. H&M announcing uh, stores closure, closures. Greg's announcing um, store closures but then there's some some businesses that are bucking the trend so we've, we've seen B and M, for instance um they they are up 25 uh this year um attracting more of the middle market and looking at opening more stores so is that um mark is that because they've got an identity they know who they are and they know who they're attracting and other businesses are just struggling or is it or is it some other reason um I think it's I think it's a mixture
2: of I think it's a mixture of reasons. I think B and M has been a very well run business. If you look at it, its probably direct competition, Pound Stretcher, it's very interesting that Pound Stretcher just before uh, lockdown, I believe, went into a CBA, um, and they had the documentary that was on Channel Five where they brought in the guy that that owned um, that originally created Poundland, um, and he was brought in and he was pretty much dismissed after after about six months because. The, the 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 company management didn't like his style and way of doing things and really it, it didn't move on from there but I'd also then say there's sort of an element of luck with BM as well and the fact that obviously it was deemed an essential shop because it did sell food products so it was it was deemed an a, a, a essential uh, shop um, it has got an identity um, it is it's although it's all things to all men it's still it almost wears that on its sleeve a little bit. Um, It is interesting that everybody is assuming that everything is going online. I think, um, and before we came on air, we sort of like, we were talking about the fact that uh, people have, have stated they probably saved more money than they've, than they've ever done during lockdown, but then online sales are absolutely going through the roof. And if you start looking at online sales, actually invariably you'll find because they're online, they are a fraction of the cost of what they would be in a store. So again, they're still saving money. Um, I, think there has, I think there'll be a balance. I think we've relied way too much in, in this country and probably around the world, um, on large organizations and large businesses to really make an impact on the high street. Um, I think that time is done because they've expanded to a point where a majority of them are heavily in debt. Um, they do say they make profit, but actually really that profit just goes and, you know, it's robbing Peter paying Paul effectively. Um, they are burger king is a great example you look at mcdonald's where it owns a lot of its own freeholds and it effectively it is it it's it's a property business more than anything mcdonald's and people really don't understand that you then got burger king that are looking to actually sell part of itself off um, because it's loss making um their 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 properties are in the wrong place they haven't got drive throughs. um so they've lost their identity, they've lost their way. And you're looking at some of these bigger businesses that are built on beds of sand. They really are. So when, you, when everybody lumps the high street together and sort of like says it's all going online, not all of it. I think the pandemic has quickened it. I think it's quickened it by another two or three years. But actually, there are a lot of these businesses that really should have had the finger on the pulse a lot quicker. And it shows the bigger the business the harder it is to pivot or the harder it is to maneuver because a lot of the the retail stores for the rents that they signed up some of these guys especially like Debenhams is a really good example Debenhams were signing 50 year rents what are you doing who's going to be there for 50 years we don't even live in houses for, for longer than sort of like 20 years yeah, because that generation's now changed. So, you know, when people are sort of like signing these rents, the high I mean, it's you could look at it as a death knell to the high street, but I always say that out of every recession is opportunity in wolf's clothing. So yeah. you just ha- you just have to start looking at the chances that independence can start coming to it. And I think the high street will evolve and change into something very, very different to what we've got right now in the next three years. I would have said 10 years, but now it's going to be three years because you're right. People aren't getting paid their rents and they ain't going nowhere at the moment. It's just Mm. empty places all over the place.
0: Absolutely, yeah. One of the things that um, Lord Wolfson of Next uh, said last week in an interview, um, one of his suggestions was to reduce um, business rates on high street retail property and actually look at increasing them on warehousing we've seen a report this week that warehouses are are massively in demand at the moment they can't quite build enough of them because of that move to online and move to to warehousing for the big boys but jamie that would be a good a good idea to kind of encourage independents, the, the kind of the artisans the small business people to actually set up a retail um, units where business rates weren't cost prohibitive they weren't you know 15 20 grand a year for rent and 15 20 grand a year for business rates that would allow them to open up a shop and start trading and kind of test the ground and see if it works that could see a high street revival couldn't it
1: i agree with you Stephen. you often see and um, these sort of pop-up shops that turn up just for christmas because they obviously get a you know, a, a, perhaps a really Rent, small rent-free period. They certainly aren't paying rates for that little bit. and um, they sort of pop up, obviously make a bit of money, you know, sell sell Christmas decorations or or whatever or other Christmas presents, and then and then sort of pop away again in January. Um, so there definitely needs to be some move towards trying to support certainly smaller businesses. And I think we've seen obviously you see on my Facebook feed of sort of people saying, "Well, you know, I'm trying to support local businesses where I can, rather than trying to support you know kind of mr tesco mr bezos or or, or whoever um and and, and pile money into into his back pocket again so yeah i think and I, I think smes are i mean they are the you know the backbone of the uk economy anyway um so you know if we can help them as much as possible then i think that can only be a good thing
0: yeah and i think uh, i think there's a there's a good chance there's that that you're right there mark that um that over the next three, five years, we could see a whole change in the high street. I think it's, um, it's touch and go for it. Now, now's the time for those smaller businesses to actually make a difference. Because we've all, done, we've all done the same. We've all been to towns and cities throughout the UK and they look exactly the same as the one where, where you're from. They're, they're, they are full of the same shops and they, are, they become bland and boring. And well, I can, I can you know, see all of that. And of course, now I can do it all online. So why would I go to those high street shops? Whereas if there was actually a different type of shop in there, something that offered something different as well, maybe that is where the future lies.
2: I I don't think it's just for the high street as well. I think uh, a lot of local government need to um, take a step back and and take stock. Uh, You know, The amount of uh, office leases that are now being given up um, quite simply because, you know, I dare say employers had been telling people lies for many years saying you can't work from home. You can't work from home. You can't work from home. Here comes coronavirus. You can work from home. And they've just carried on running the business. And obviously, you know, whoever's running the business then goes, why am I paying 30 grand a year for these offices that I don't really need? Um, and I think that you know, there's going to be not just retail space. There's going to be a hell of a lot of office space. In cities and town centers that needs to needs to be looked at and i think there was a a really interesting article um, by somebody here in leicester that um that that wrote about that it's time to send in the bulldozers and and change the face of the city now maybe not sending the bulldozers but he's certainly absolutely right in the fact that taking that step back and having a vision and some leadership in a city or a town center where you know, retail parks are here to stay. They're not going anywhere. They're just here to stay for the time for the time being. And you know, the size of them, it's interesting. You sort of like saying about warehouse space. Some of the size of these re- these out out of town retailers are the size of warehouses. So they're actually starting to use them as hubs anyway, whether they need whether they've got warehouse space or not. Um, so it's down to people having a vision for the town and the city that they're in of. Make making people want to visit it because you know if you haven't got the office workers going into the city guess what that high street is going to be even quieter still they were they were worried about shoppers not coming into the city and using online or going out out of town well now you're not having office workers come into the city and the town actually the high street is on the verge of a very very big drop it's on it's on it's on the precipice right about now
0: absolutely i i agree with everything that we've said there um also in the news this week moving on um there's there's been a lot of uh, a lot of sort of news headline stories about the uh furlough scheme obviously coming to an end at the end of october and the likelihood of a number of redundancies so we had the The Office for Budget Responsibility um, uh, is confirming that it thinks that around 20% of people currently on furlough will be made redundant. Had a Mm -hmm. survey come out saying one third of employers are looking at making redundancies at the end of the furlough scheme. Um, Mm -hmm. and We know that one in 10 people are still furloughed and amounts to about 2 million people still being furloughed. we we're, we're potentially looking at maybe four hundred thousand um, job losses uh, come the end, you know, beginning of November, and we'll see a massive impact on, um, on the economy. Um, but there's not uh, bearing in mind those organizations that are reporting those you know the, 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 the big numbers of job losses. Um, it's more a case of them being overweight in terms of staffing. More than, um, you know, more than there being a reduced pipeline in sales at all or anything like that. It seems to me that actually they're making a decision because of their future viability rather than, well, you know, Damn it, we don't have the work coming in. Whereas in a smaller business, Mark, you, you would uh, more at the coalface, they would probably know whether or not they've got the work next month or in the next six months. And so, when when those smaller businesses see all these big numbers about redundancies, should they be worried? Should they be looking at going? Okay, right now is the time that we need to start looking and planning for redundancies, or is that something that they kind of will just see how they go? Um,
2: I think it's. I hate using the phrase, but it is unprecedented time, really, (laughs) Um, and I hate using that phrase, but it,
0: but it is phrase of the year. Um,
2: Yeah. It's the whole year. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a, it's a bit of a hot mess. Um, and there are so many, um, twists and turns in play that I don't think I can put my finger on what would fix it or what would cure it. So there's a really good example is that obviously the the kickstart scheme that was announced by the government, you know, let's get 16 to 25 year olds into work and we'll pay you to, uh, put them into work. but you need 30 of them. Brilliant. So actually when that, that system was initially set up, so what we'll do is we'll aim it at the businesses that have already got staff on furlough. Because if they're already on furlough, that means actually there's no work for them anyway. Yeah. So why would we employ other people to do the work that's not there in the first place, which made no sense. And then as a small business, you had to get together in little hubs and uh, you had that barrier of getting, to, getting together with 29 other mates. Um, so that you could take one person on which is fine and some people are, uh, some people have gone and done it what really concerns me about the uh, about the amount of people coming off furlough is a the lack of training in the uh, in the sectors that are requiring jobs but also the fact and this is, you know some people have spoken to me about this quite uh, quite length is that the The skills that are coming off furlough that will be got rid of are all skills that can make themselves self-employed. And then all of a sudden you could potentially have you know out four hundred thousand, you could suddenly have another two hundred thousand small businesses suddenly come into the marketplace that weren't there six months ago.
1: Yeah. and small
2: businesses are fighting to survive anyway. So that does that then start a race to the bottom? because then people are basically just trying to outprice each other so that they can get some money coming in and it's 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 odd because a lot of the companies that are coming forward and stating how much they're i mean i i I can give you a really good example of you know a a business that has reopened and is still getting a bit of a kicking from the government because it's all their fault that we've all got coronavirus is the pub is the pub trade yeah you know, the pub trade is running you know weatherspoons came out and said they're running at around about 60 to 70% of what they would normally take and they they're they're struggling to not only keep hold of staff but they're they're struggling to bring staff back you know weatherspoons are even looking at closing places because nobody's taking flights out of airports where their pubs are mm. yeah it's it, it's it's quite simple so th- it does seem like there's because it's unprecedented and it's it's one of those things and i heard it on the radio this morning that there was um a young student and somebody had lived through world war ii and the person that lived through world war ii said this is nothing like living through world war ii because we knew that eventually that was going to stop right now we have no idea what's happened there's no end game there's no there's no end there's no there's no there's no light at the end of the tunnel for anybody or anything it just keeps it just keeps evolving it keeps changing and therefore when these people do come off furlough and maybe you know join the the the, the self employed or go into the unemployment line and it is it, it's tragic that that's happening i just don't and can't and it sounds really pessimistic of me but i can't see it changing in the next 12 months, 18 months, two years. Uh, it's, it's you know, when they're saying this, it could be the worst recession we have ever had. I have to agree because there's no confidence anywhere around the world, from any country. Because it's almost like, it, you know, using Boris Johnson's phrase, it's like a whack-a-mole thing. You know, you, you literally, you, you know, something rears its ugly head, you smack it on the head. It rears its ugly head over there, you smack it on the head. And there's just so many variables involved in this, um, that certainly as a you know, as small businesses, I think small businesses are, uh, you know, to a point slightly more secure, but if you get an influx of newly self-employed people coming into the market, wanting to make a name for themselves, wanting to build a business, you start getting into the price wars. So if you're a, if, if you're a business that uses small business, you could be laughing. However, as a small business owner, actually, you need to start, you know, shoring things up and making sure that, you know, you're as solid as you can be, because this is just the start. It's going to be a big old fight out there.
0: Yeah, the one of the um, economists at the Bank of England said last night in a speech that uh, he thought that businesses, particularly smaller ones, should step up their hiring and spending in order to boost their own prospects of, of, of being viable and um and, and being a, a proposition but jamie practically speaking if you're if you've got a you know an sme business and you'd have seen the plenty of these that are struggling financially um one of the first places that you'd look at is saving costs and of course labor costs are usually one of the highest costs in a business so redundancies are an are inevitability aren't they
1: yeah i think they are i think it's a big it's a big leap of faith for us for a small business to go, oh, I'm going to spend my way out of this problem. I think that's okay for for governments to kind of go, you know, look at what, you know, FDR did in America in the 1930s. is like, I'm just going to build dams and roads and everything. And I'm going to build my way out of a problem, but sort of got a bottomless pit of money to be able to do that. Whereas a small business effectively, you know, if you're that small business owner, you're thinking, well, you know, I need to spend my way out of, uh, out of a scenario. I might need some, might need some uh, financial support from a bank and the bank's going to go, well, Yeah, you know, we, we might be prepared to lend to you, but with quite like a guarantee over your, over, over the house. Um, and then that's a, that's a suddenly a massive, you know, the, you know, you're owning that business. You're therefore thinking, oh, okay, I could do this, but if it goes wrong, it's going to go wrong quite spectacularly, not just for me, but for, you know, for my, my family as well. Um, so so that's that point. And also what you said, Stephen, as well, in terms of, well, if I'm thinking, well, I've got someone that I'm employing. I don't know, say in my small business to do my to do my bookkeeping or or to do my finance or or even to do my social media. Well, I could. That person's sitting around, and I could think, well, I could, you know, I'm paying them regardless every at the end of every month. But I could think, okay, well, if I get rid of that that person, I could outsource that to 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 a small business, to another small business, and actually, I can turn the tap off on on and off on that with much much more control than than if that person is sat in my sat in my office um, or in their own house um because you've got to pay that person and if there's no work you still got to pay them whereas if there's no work and you're playing a subcontractor then there's no work you don't they don't do anything you don't pay them so which is probably a much a much safer way safer way for a small business to go um i also agree with what what mark said i think people get made redundant and then they think right i'm fed up of you know I'm going to take control of my own destiny. I am going to go and set up and, and, and be that self-employed person. I'm going to run my own company and, I'm, and I'm I know what I can do. I'm fed up of reporting to someone who, quite frankly, I either don't respect or or, uh, or I don't like, or why should I have to report to them? I know what I, I'm doing. I'm going to do it myself. And, and and as you say, yeah, there's going to be lots more uh, lots more competition out there. And um, and obviously these people are potentially funding that business with you know potentially a, a nice, sizable, tax-free redundancy payout that they've had. Um, whereas a small business that they're competing against has had to, to sit and potentially lose money for the last few months. So you know this new business might actually be in a better position because they're, they're going to be well-funded.
0: Yeah, and it's something that um, for, for most small, medium-sized businesses, because of that personal responsibility, either financially or actually just moral responsibility, they don't avail themselves to schemes like a prepack administration or a cva which we see a, a lot of times in the press um you know for the bigger organizations where they can sack off all that debt that liability and kind of carry on trading and and, and see how they um you know fare over the next 12 months and if you new look you know just do it every year and um and, and kind of sack off <laughs> some more debts and then redo it and do it again um, yeah. i'll probably get sued for that um <clears throat> but, uh, but there you go um, okay guys Anything? Any new stories that have caught your eye this week that we should touch upon briefly? I just want to just sort of almost
2: go back to a, a little point that actually that Jamie just uh, Jamie just made and 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 you sort of alluded to about uh, about spending money to sort of like to to get out get out of the situation. Where it comes to when it comes to small businesses, I think one of the fa- the things that I find and and if you then go and look at larger businesses, I think they do the same, but they will never admit it is they don't really look on the return on investment. Now we are, you know, we're in a massive slump at the moment. Uh, I understand that, but I've, ever, you know, I've alluded to it earlier. Out of every recession, there are opportunities. I think when it comes to people, I think now is the time, if you're going to spend money, is to retrain your current colleagues, your current team, or look to recruit a team around you, if you're a solopreneur. So i.e., you know, you're on your own, but look to recruit a team around you that almost makes you future proof so that there are more skills in the bag for those individuals, because a lot of these people will be coming into, into the sector skilled to a point. Um, but you've then got to start thinking about general, you know, generation. So you, you were alluding to Jamie as you know, somebody doing social media. Well, Actually, what's the return on investment on somebody doing your social media? Is it a case of you know, are you just get paying someone to just do it, or are you actually paying someone to get you twenty leads by the end of this week? I think that I think there has to be a, a, a a mental shift change in what you're going to get from your team or people that you employ or people that you want to bring onto your team. What's the return on investment? It's, it's that awful phrase of BNI, which is like giver's gain, right? You know, you're know, you paying someone to do the social media. Great. I've got a social media presence, but it's not making me any money. Well, therefore, it's not a return on investment. That's a waste of money. If you're paying somebody a £1,000 a month to go and do that, what you want to be doing is pay somebody £1,000 a month, but get £2,000 back. That's what you want. And I think I think there's a real shift change in how people need to look at recruiting experts to come and help them within their business, but also the people within their business. Can they be multi-skilled? Can they be multi-talented? So that, you know, should we ever go through a downturn again, which we will, because let's be fair, it's almost as, as blatantly obvious as death and tax, that, you know, you're future-proofing it. So if you do have to slim your team down again, or just continue to work with a slim down team. Actually, you're getting the best return on investment for, pay, for, for paying those people. Does that does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good advice. It yeah, uh, it's good good advice for everyone out there listening. Um, so, thanks very much, um, gentlemen. Thanks very much for joining us this week on uh, the Business Herald podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's Business Herald podcast please visit our website at www.businessherald.co.uk to subscribe to your weekly email newsletter of all the business news stories of the week. If you found this podcast better than three out of five stars, then please leave a nice review and hit subscribe. If you found it worse than three out of five, then other off, don't listen again. Um, thanks and see you next time on the Business Herald podcast.
1: we try and get the phrase kicking and cam down the road in just for James? We, <laughs> we, we've... we Oh, damn it! I, do you know what? I almost said it earlier on and I didn't say it! I didn't say
0: it! No! No,
1: no, no. no. favourite phrase. It's, um...
0: <laughs> it's, a, it's a good phrase. He, he has said that, I think, once or twice on every podcast.
1: Yeah, um, we're almost... It's almost to the stage where we can start forming our own sort of like... Um, sort of... issue issue listeners with like a, with like a bingo sheet. Um, LAUGHTER the
0: phrases. I'm, I'm to, toying <laughs> with the idea of changing the name of the podcast <laughs> yeah. to Kicking the Can Down the Road podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>